1: Welcome back to our number two of episode 64 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And our theme today is winning the culture war. There does seem to be a, a culture war going on out there and this culture creep that is coming over from California and uh, the whole idea of creating this, uh, this, this scenario where there's us's and them's and the, the rights restricting groups that are trying to paint anyone who loves their second amendment rights and values their constitutional rights as a them, as an undesirable of some sort. And uh, even though we have just had a historic election where a lot of uh, gun owners stood up, went to the polls, and spoke out, letting everyone know that they do, we do value those rights. It's, uh, there's still so much to be done about that cultural issue. And our next guest is Mr. Dave Kopp. He's been a regular on our show, and we really appreciate getting to hear from him because he's the president of the Arizona Citizens Defense League, the AZCDL helping Arizona gun owners face the formidable fight against anti-rights groups and legislation that limits Second Amendment rights. Dave, are you with us? Oh, hello. Yeah, can you hear me? There you are. Hi. Uh, Well,
2: well, (laughs) how's it going? Hi,
3: Dave. Welcome to the show. Hey, how does it feel to be able to relax, kick your feet back, take a couple trips to Hawaii, do some golfing, and do everything but think about guns? (laughs) <laughs> that's funny.
1: <laughs> Dan's a comedian in no. his off hours.
3: No, tell, tell the people we still need to be on our toes. I mean, even more so, we need to be on our toes, right?
2: Well, you know, that's that's always the case is when you start thinking you've got it all licked, that's when they come and beat you.
1: Right. No, Absolutely. I agree with that. And, and it's about holding the the politicians... Right. And the representatives and the elected officials feet to the fire because we've got every possible opportunity uh, to to get legislation passed that really represents those of us that love our Constitution and our Second Amendment rights. But it's not going to happen on its own. I think that's maybe what I'm hearing you say.
2: Well, and it never does. And that's the thing. You You know, how many times do you hear people say, well, the Second Amendment protects my right? Hmm. It, and it just drives me nuts because the second amendment doesn't protect you you protect the second amendment
3: mm. right that's that's the thing who's going to protect our second amendment
2: and it, you know it, it, it's never been truer than it is today because you know as you mentioned you've got these folks the, the mike bloombergs and the jeff Bezoses and the bill gates these multi-billionaire people out there pouring money into a campaign against our rights and it, it just goes on and on and on and yeah, we had a great election. We really did, and, and and I thank God for it because if we hadn't, things would just be that much worse. But these folks don't stop. They, they will keep up the drumbeat. They will keep pouring money into the election. They've got lots of it, so you know it's okay with them to keep pouring money into it. Uh, Mike Bloomberg spent fifteen something million dollars to get that ballot measure to squeak by in Nevada, but he won. Mm. And he won by a hair, but he won.
3: Yeah, that's that surprising me. Out of all the miracles that happened over this election, I am really surprised that wasn't another one that we didn't that we didn't win that.
2: And you know, give all credit to the guys in Nevada. The, you know, the Nevada uh, gun guys and the NRA—they fought really, really hard and they did an excellent job. But it was just almost impossible to overcome the kind of money that we're facing. I mean, they spent nearly five million dollars on our side and that's a lot of money for guys like Yes, it is and and they did a really good job they fought really hard but they just couldn't overcome the 15 million dollars that mike bloomberg and his astroturf group spent and you know they had a really tough job overcoming the democratic advantage in clark county which is a very blue county and that accounts for a really big percentage of the vote in nevada and so it's a tough job it's a tough job to do and they fought really hard, and I give them all the credit in the world, but they just couldn't quite manage it. And that, that, that so-called universal background check initiative up there, which is you know really gun owner and, and gun registration in disguise, it passed by less than half a percent.
3: Right. And what people don't realize is that this national gun registration or gun background check— the only way they can do that successfully is to register guns. If they don't register the guns, they're not going to know who's doing these transfers.
2: Well, and this is why they always do it by subterfuge. You know, they, they call it background checks, but that's not really what it is. Because if it was really background checks, then who would they be checking? Well, they'd be checking the bad guys. But they're not checking the bad guys. And, they're not, you know, they talk about, well, it's just gun shows and it's just, you know, uh, internet sales and, you know, all things that really... The vast majority of sales at these venues are already background check. Uh, you guys are FFLs, and you know how that works. Right. And so, you know, they talk about it being just these things that, that everybody worries about, and, and it makes it sound like a really good sale. And most people who don't really know what the laws are, they're, oh, yeah, that sounds reasonable. I'll sign on to that. Mm-hmm. But that's not how these things are actually done and you get into these 20-page-long initiative language, and you look at it and you say, well, wait a minute, that's not what they're doing. What they're really doing is they're saying, well, hey, if you want to go out in the desert and go plinking with your neighbor, you'd have to go get a background checker. If you want to go to the range and teach somebody how to shoot, you'd have to get a background check. You know, all these tiny little everyday transfers between normal people, they have to go and get a background check. And, of course, every time you do that, those numbers, the, you know, the, the information on your gun and the information on the owners and the information on the people involved are all getting put into a database. And, gee, what happens to that?
3: Right. is a registration.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for all those transactions, all those people, all those guns to be put down on paper, to be sent to Washington, and that's the, the goal. That's the registration that they're looking for.
3: Well, you know, all what, what the American owners need to realize, gun owners, is that, These people are deceiving us. They're lying to us. They're giving us facts that aren't true. They're using emotional uh, ways to to get to us. And it's just like Cheryl said to me a couple days ago, when people come up and say, it's for the children. Well, who's going to vote against the children? We all want to be for the children, but they deceive us.
2: And, you know, it is for the children. I'll give them that. It is for the children. But it's for our children, too. And Mm -hmm. this is something that I try to stress. You know, I taught my children how to shoot when they were six and, you know, they're, one of them is already in college, and one of them is about to go into college. She's a senior, senior in high school now. And they're excellent shots, and they're very safe, and they've known gun safety since they were little kids. And so, you know, what about our children? This is kind of where I come back to with this. You know, I like to think that if everybody taught their children how to shoot, that there would be far fewer accidents and, and Firearms accidents are at an all-time low now, but there'd be fewer still. There'd be far fewer kids going around waving guns around in the streets at each other. You know, there are things that we can do to make this a safer, better society without taking guns away from people.
3: Right? We if don't, we if we, we treat guns if we treat guns like a tool, I mean, could you imagine a bunch of gang members? they steal a wrench and say, look at this cool wrench I got, and they're waving it around, and this is cool. Well, a wrench is a normal tool. Well, why isn't a gun a normal tool? Why can't it be normal?
2: This is the thing. You you know, you don't mystify it. You treat it like the tool that it is. You treat people how to use it safely. Uh, You know, this is the way people, you know, like us, the gun culture, quote, unquote, were brought up, and the way we bring up our kids, and it's not our kids that have ever been the problem. And this is something that the, the other side of the culture war, as you mentioned, that they don't seem to understand. And, and you know, you see that you, you say, you know, they're, they're we're being lied to. And, and this has been such a problem throughout the entire election cycle. There's so many things that people spew out and say, hey, well, you know, Mr. Trump was this and Mr. Trump was that and he said this and he said that. And, you know, I hear these things and I say to myself, well, gee, I, I guess I know where you got your news from. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, we're being, we're being lied to, but the people that are lying to us, I don't think they think they're lying. I mean, they're being brainwashed, too. The debate we went to last week, I think the lady really, truly thought that what she was saying was true because somebody else told her and she didn't do a you know, background check to make sure that was right.
2: Well, and, and it happens on both sides. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to admit that it does happen on both sides. There's a big story going around through the network news now about fake news sites. And, and I see this all the time. And, and, you know, I'm constantly having to tell people, hey, you know, that news story you just posted is a fake, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, you know, but the problem is that the mainstream media says, oh, yeah, look at all this fake news being posted when they're out there doing the same thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but if it serves their side, I guess, you know, yeah, exactly. they, they turn their brain off. But... So basically, we, we understand that that there's this cultural push, this, and it's just wrapped up in emotion, um, and that, that there is a battle to be fought, but that, the, the actual battle happens kind of in your turf, right? Because you and your organization, the Arizona Citizens Defense League here in Arizona, and there's many organizations like yours across the country— you are the ones that are sitting at the state capitol every day that they're in session, and what do you, what work are you doing there, and how do people um, support what you're doing?
2: Well, basically, our job is to keep an eye on legislation you know there's an old saying attributed largely to Mark Twain that no man's life liberty or property is safe while the legislature is in session <laughs> and so our job is to basically keep an eye on everybody's life liberty and property yeah. and so uh, so we watch legislation we we try to encourage legislators to run good uh, particularly pro-rights bills, especially centered on uh, right to keep and bear arms and self-defense. And we keep an eye on the bad ones, uh, things like universal background checks, quote-unquote, uh, and make sure that they don't go anywhere. And so that's kind of our job. We sit down there and we watch and we, we in, intersperse ourselves into the process and make sure that things happen the way they should, you know, in, in a pro-liberty sense. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what we do. You know, that's that's what we do every year, year in and year out. The legislature goes into session first, second Monday, I should say, of January, and usually uh, through April or May, sometimes June, if, we, if they get really bogged down in the budget. And so uh, for those months, that's what we do.
1: We you're you're day like day the day. chaperones at the, the high school dance, <laughs> right? <laughs> to some degree, yeah. Uh, some of
2: them need more chaperoning than others.
1: And that the, the truth, but what an opportunity, again, just before we wrap up, to to point that out, that after this election, when you look at how many states governors even changed over from Democrat to Republican, um, I mean, you just go down those down ballot tickets to see that people are speaking all across this nation and we have an opportunity, but w- Just because we have a Republican governor in a state that we didn't have before doesn't mean he is automatically, by osmosis, going to uh, protect your Second Amendment rights specifically.
2: Well, no, of course not. And that's part of what we do, too, is we keep people informed and, and we ask people to contact the legislature, contact the governor and remind them, hey, you know, we really like this bill and we'd like you to vote for it. or We'd like you to sign it. And, and you know, hey, uh, since there are several thousand of us, you know, hopefully you'll listen. And so uh, that's part of what we do, too. And you can sign up for that alert list to keep you informed by going to our website. That's www.azcdl.org.
3: Well, remember, all, to all our listeners, um, the politician, a good politician, is going to do what we ask them to do. So if we don't voice our opinions and we don't push what we believe in, he's not going to do it.
1: Well, somebody else will voice their right. opinions, so make well, sure yeah. it's the side you want <laughs> to be yeah, well right. represented.
2: That's a big message, hopefully, that they got from this election. I don't think... Some folks are saying that, that, that this was an ideology election that you know their ideology lost and our ideology won but I don't think that really is what it was I think the message was really hey you know the folks in DC the folks in the state houses aren't listening so let's get rid of them and replace them with people who will and and I think that generally is the message in a big change election like this you know hey pay attention to what the voters want or we'll get rid of you and put people in here who will pay attention. And I think that's an important message to send every few years. And that's one of the things that we like to remind people to do is, hey, make sure that they know that you're listening. And if they're not listening, then, hey, get rid of them and put people in here who will listen.
1: Absolutely.
3: Well, David, how can people find you and how can they support your organization?
2: Uh, well, like I said, pretty much everything you can do with us can be done through the website. We try to keep it as convenient as possible. It's www.azcdl.org. And uh, you can join there. You can sign up for alerts there. There's all kinds of good information there that you can learn from. You can learn about the whole universal background check scam there. There's all kinds of good stuff there. And there's a menu down the left-hand side that will lead you to pretty much anything you need.
1: Fantastic. Dave Cop from the AZCDL, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we look forward to many updates as the uh, legislature comes into session.
2: Thanks very much for having me.
1: Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Well, stick around because on the other side of this commercial, we will have Miss Julie Loeffler. I'm sorry, Julie Loeffler of the Mid Ohio IMB. Want to know what that is? Stick around. You'll find out.
4: When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt,
1: Welcome back to Gun for Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by AZFirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, thank you for sticking around with us. We have got such an awesome show today with, with incredible guests. And of course, the theme of our show today is winning the culture war. And up next is Miss Julie Leffler. Now, Miss Julie Leffler is the owner and operator of Mid Ohio IMB stands for International Martial Arts and Boxing, an affiliate school of the original IMB Academy in Los Angeles. So what does all that have to do with Gun Freedom Radio? Well, we're about to find out. Miss Julie, are you with us?
5: Yes, I am. Hi, Cheryl. How are you?
1: Oh, wonderful. And thank you so much for coming to the air and uh, talking with us about what you do and how self-defense is really more than just owning a gun. And I think your, your organization really speaks to that. Is that kind of how we tie these two things together?
5: Yes, ma'am, it is. Um, you know, I, I started out in uh, personal defense on the other side of personal defense. 20 plus years in martial arts and unarmed defensive training, and uh, realized that guns do have a place in personal defense, and began shooting in 2002. And then realized as an instructor, you know, this is this should be an option that should be offered through Mid Ohio IMB. So I began uh, teaching firearms training in 2014.
1: Well, I think that's. Wonderful, like you are sort of this bridge or or what you teach is a crossroads between what we can do when we're in areas where we are unarmed, right, disarmed maybe in some of these quote unquote gun-free zones mm-hmm. and areas where we're, we're free to carry with us. Um, and I think that both, kind of like using both sides of your brain, They're, one is not better or more important than the other and when you use them together, just synergistically, how much uh, more powerful that is!
5: Absolutely, it, it it does a couple of things that I can see. First of all, it empowers the person even more, um, because uh, each situation does not call for the same level of personal defense. Mm-hmm. A gun may not be appropriate for every situation, mm-hmm. and so therefore, you know, if you talk about should versus could, and those types of things. You may need to use something other than a firearm to defend yourself in a situation to make it appropriate defense. So you have that side of it where it gives the person more options in a personal defense situation. And then I think it also opens the field to people who aren't quite ready, who might just be curious about the firearms, but who aren't quite ready to do that type of training, but they want to do something. So they dip their toes in with the unarmed training or they dip their toes in with a flashlight or a knife class, and then they, they get to um, diversify as they you know, find their place on this sliding scale of personal defense. You know, there, there are a lot of um, maybe firearms instructors out there who, who think, you know, if you don't train with a gun, you're really not serious about your personal defense. And I simply find that as a cop-out answer. Mm-hmm. I find personal defense is a sliding scale, and you have to allow your student, because that's why we're all here. We're here to train the student. We have to allow our students to get to whatever point they, they want to at their own level, at their own time.
3: Julie, this is Dan. Uh, welcome to the show. You know, what, what I'm excited about is personal defense. You know, when, we were, when I was a kid, I took uh, karate classes and martial arts things, mm-hmm. and what the most important thing was that was discipline. Mm-hmm. So by learning discipline through the personal defense classes, it sets you up better to be able to handle a firearm.
5: Yeah. Hi, Dan. Yes, you know what? You're exactly right. You, um, so many times we think about the physical skills, and we don't necessarily focus on the, ment- the mental skills or the, the physiological, the psychological things that go along with that. And, um, you know, as with anything, you've got both sides that you have to work on and that you have to train. And if you come from an unarmed um, background where you did have some sort of discipline, such as a martial art, you, you might be a little further ahead.
1: That's awesome. Now, do you find that there is a typical customer that comes to you or a typical student that comes to you? Or is it kind of, you know, a, a slice of Americana, you know, uh, demographics of all sorts?
5: Well, I am. I am forever... Um, trying to market to everyone. I have created a studio, an environment that is welcoming to everyone. Um, and I'm trying to approach people on their own field, on their own turf, You know, whether it's a professional corporate setting, whether it's a bunch of um, stay-at-home moms who work from home, whether it's a group of college teens, uh, whether it's a bunch of professional businessmen and women. I find that the people who may be apprehensive to walk into a gun store for the first time or talk to the person that looks unapproachable to them you know Mm -hmm. we use that term tactical timmy all the time (laughs) and you you guys and i both know there's some great people out there with great information and great training but if they don't look approachable it's there lost, are a, right? There's a group of people that are not going to get that training, yeah.
3: Julie, it's still hard. I'm, I'm, I'm 61 years old. I've been around guns all my life. It's still hard for me to go into a mom-and-pop gun shop.
5: Isn't
1: I don't know really?
3: why. There's just something about it. It's, it's, that,
1: it's that very same thing, I think. Sometimes people are more concerned with how much they know rather than uh, serving the customer or teaching the person that walks right. in the door.
5: Absolutely, and you know why? Why are we? Why are we instructors? Why are we trainers? It's not for our ego. Mm -hmm. It's not self-serving. It's for the student, and you know that's another thing that. Oh, I think for the most part, the majority of the instructors out there have that same mentality. But there's a few that don't, and we know who they are. (laughs) Um, You have to be relatable, Mm -hmm. and they have to see you as relatable, and they have to see you as approachable. And you can't uh, put out a shingle, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I have, in my experiences, realized that uh, you have to go where they are. You have to uh, go out and do, even if it's an hour of public speaking, in a group, a club, uh, where do you bank? Um, I have joined a weekly business networking group. I get up at 5 o'clock every morning, and I trek on down to a business group. We meet for an hour and 20 minutes, and every single person around that table is in a different profession, but they're all a small business owner.
1: That's and awesome.
5: Th- and they help me promote, and I help them promote. And it gives, you know, especially people, business owners, gun instructors, who are not comfortable reaching out to other people, that's, I have found that to be one of the best ways.
1: That is fantastic. Now, you are in Ohio. We're, we're sitting, uh, Dan and I, here in Arizona. But we talked to the entire nation on on this station, on this radio show, even to the world. And so uh, even though there's so many listeners that can't just show up at your studio, I think what you're saying has some universal truths, and they can find something in their area. And how can they vet um, a studio or vet a school, uh, vet a trainer that would have the same heart and mindset that you're talking about?
5: Uh, that, that is uh, the number one issue right there. And I I would simply say to remember, it's all about you. It is all about the student. And don't settle for mediocre training. And the way that you do that is, first of all, you have to do a little research out on the World Wide Web um, and see what type of training you want. What do you want to learn? Um, Because there's a lot of chunks out there of information, and it can be daunting. And if you just take them in little pieces, maybe you want to start here first. Then what I would do is find in your area where you're, able to travel find some instructors that teach that whatever that may be and call them talk to them interview them and if you get a good feeling uh with them if they can answer your questions uh, without hesitation then try a class but you know you have to be satisfied with the information don't go where you're not comfortable but that doesn't mean don't step out of your comfort zone Absolutely. Don't, you know, if the instructor doesn't make you comfortable, if the information that you're learning is not comfortable to you, then don't do it right now. But take that step outside of your comfort zone and do something. That's That's what I would say.
1: That is fantastic. And if somebody that's listening is in Ohio and near your area, let us know how uh, we can reach out to you, how we can show up at your studio, how we can get training from from you and your your teachers.
5: Sure. Uh, Well, I will tell you that uh, I'm here in the heart of Columbus, Ohio, and I am mobile. I have gone to every surrounding state and uh, touches Ohio and train people, and I'm I'm happy to do that if we have the ability to, to do so. Otherwise, um, I have a website that has classes listed. I have um, I have a different a few different classes that they can actually pick a date if they want to have a group of their friends or if they have an organization that wants to have a physical or a speaking only engagement, I create a date for them and we work together on that. So it's my set schedule and then it's working with them and what their schedule allows as well.
1: What an awesome thing. And when I was listening to you say that, I was thinking, what if you what if a corporation said, you know, this would be a great not even just a team building opportunity, but also learning how we can help make our office building, our office space more safe, right?
5: That is spot on, and I have done that. Um, I've gone to Corporate Lunch and Learns and helped them with their training, whether it's a you know, workspace environment, um, helping them understand what they can do, where they are, and uh, with what their corporation allows them to do. They have to work within certain parameters. I've done that with schools. And um, I am more than happy to do that. And then, of course, they can always come to the studio and have, you know, a team building event if they want to do that instead.
1: Fantastic. Well, we've got to run, but just before we do, please tell people how they can reach out to you on that great wide web.
5: Okay, great. Um, my website is midohioimb.com. Um, my email: julie at julie@midohioimb.com. I'm on Facebook. Um, I am on Twitter. I'm on the Instagram. And my phone number, I'm even willing to give that out, which is listed on my Facebook page and my website.
1: Fantastic. Well, you want to say, say it right now?
5: Sure. 614-286-3431.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for, for coming on and spending a little bit of your Saturday with us to tell folks that th- th- there are other options out there to self-defense and personal defense that can enhance Gun ownership, or if you're not comfortable with a gun, then maybe think about these other ways. So I really appreciate it. Miss Julie Leffler of Mid Ohio IMB.
5: Cheryl and Dan, thank you. It has been a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Bye bye now. Bye now. All right. Well, stick around because on the other side of this commercial break, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Instead of a guest, Dan has sort of an extended version of Dan's. commentary stick around
4: The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today.
8: Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org.
1: Welcome back, and thanks for hanging in there with us on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. You're listening to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And Danny's sitting here mocking me as I say, the biggest little gun shop. He kind of jumps up out of his chair every time I do it. Maybe you're not mocking me. Maybe I scare you when I do that. Is, right?
3: it, that's what it is. You, you <laughs> definitely scare me, Cheryl. That, that's
1: for uh, sure. That's probably a good thing, right? <laughs> keeps yeah. you on your toes. Keeps you in line. Uh, 31 years of marriage doesn't happen by mistake. That's for sure, right? Well,
3: well I said 31 good years of marriage. What are you saying?
1: Uh, exactly. That's perfectly, yeah, that's what I said. Okay, moving right along. So. <laughs> All right. Well, normally we would have uh, another guest in this segment, but today we wanted to do something a little bit different with Dan's commentary. Um. Um, uh, we we heard recently a Prager University video, or watched it. You'll be able to hear it, um, and I'll post it on our Facebook page so you can also watch it. And it was so well done just talking about what should we do about guns, right? Because there's people on either side of that fence. Whether or not we've just had a, a, a historic uh, election where we believe that a big part of the results came from people that value their Second Amendment rights and value their constitutional rights and are part of whatever the, the that gun culture is, you know, the firearms industry. Um, we do think that, that people uh, that ascribe it to those things were mobilized and did come out and vote. But uh, that doesn't mean that suddenly everybody that has been taught to fear guns or think that uh, we're a bunch of knuckle draggers on this side of the fence. I imagine they still fear us. And i Imagine
3: they think we're knuckle-draggers still.
1: Yeah, and so they didn't just magically uh, and by osmosis just go, oh, well, they're just a bunch of great people, and I, I'm totally behind this whole uh, you know, protecting and preserving our Second Amendment rights idea. Wrong. Wrong. Right? <laughs> so uh, when we heard this video, uh, we felt like it would be an interesting way to just kind of talk a little bit more and dig a little bit deeper into that. And so um, it's a lengthy video, but we're going to break it into pieces and and have some conversation about the points that were made in it. And if you're unfamiliar with what Prager University is, Dennis Prager is, uh, he's got his own radio show, and um, he writes books, and he does speaking engagements, and he is just a really interesting. Person, he's a very logic-minded person. He doesn't lean into emotion, and he he really is about he calls it uh, "E pluribus unum" and the American uh, Tril- uh, trilogy. Does he call it? And he he really is about what this country was founded on, uh, what our forefathers believed. So, in short, what Cheryl's trying
3: to tell you is that Dennis Prager is a very honest and mm-hmm. sincere and he says the truth.
1: he really does. Um, he is a uh, of the Jewish faith, but he when I first became familiar with him, he was speaking on behalf of Christianity and that right there got me like tuned in. I was like, wait a minute, that's unusual. Yeah. let me let me see what he has to say. And so um, you know I've just kind of tapped into him through the past uh, three elections now. And he's just this refreshing voice of uh, logic right. out there in the airwaves. And so I would definitely encourage you to, to, to tune in to uh, Dennis Prager, look him up online uh, and his Prager University, he calls it. It's not an actual university. It's like five minute videos talking about every manner of uh, things as far as the laws, um, the constitution, um, society in general, so um, this is one of uh, his speakers that you're going to start hearing now as we begin uh, Dan's segment. But first, you have your little lead-in that you're so proud of, right? I don't get a lead-in. <laughs>
9: the world
7: ain't
1: all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. So i jealous of your lead-in. I want one like that. Well, you know how hard it is to make that voice? (laughs) You sound just like Sylvester Stallone. I had to do all that. Oh, wow. You're pretty talented. Okay, let's dive right in to the PragerU.com video.
7: The next time you hear a politician call for common sense gun control, listen for the details. You are likely to be treated to a torrent of platitudes about assault weapons, gun show sales, and other half measures. These sorts of proposals are rooted in a theory of gun control that has been around since the 1960s. The basic idea is that fewer guns equal less gun crime. But for this theory to have even a chance of working, drastic reductions in the supply of guns will be necessary. Everything else amounts to security theater. The late Senator Howard Metzenbaum, a strong gun control advocate, explained it this way, if you don't ban all guns, you might as well ban none of them. But few, if any, politicians who call for common sense gun control have the courage to propose this. Even putting aside the issue of the Second Amendment to the Constitution, which affirms the right to keep and bear arms, a gun ban has no broad popular support. Never mind the conservative states. Handgun ban referendums failed by large margins in two of our most liberal states, Massachusetts in 1976, and California in 1982. No- See, they hit it right on the nail. Senator uh, Messenbaum,
3: no guns. Period. It's the only way to be effective mm-hmm. to to stop gun, to, to stop guns, right?
2: So, so what does that all mean?
3: The, well, I, the politicians are backdoor creeping like you said earlier, creep into this no guns at all. They'll never be happy until they find a way to remove every gun out there. And they got a, a big battle ahead of them because we're going to stand there and back and you know, think about it. I, I could make a gun i don't i don't need to. you know you could take my gun away i could still make a gun
1: well then matthew shinzing uh that was in our previous hour he was talking about how even if they did away with gunpowder, that you could still manufacture a black powder that would work even in a modern semi-auto firearm right so it, even if we're not talking about uh, normally law-abiding citizens doing that to to protest or to just to protect their lives, you don't think the bad guys are going to do that so that they have the upper hand?
3: Right. So just keep, keep that in mind. First of all, they're labeling it as common sense gun uh, laws. Common sense. They want to say, okay, if you don't have common sense, then of course you're not going to agree with this. Mm-hmm. So they're already putting a label on it so that it offends you if you don't agree with them, you don't have common sense. Mm-hmm. You don't child safety. You don't care about kids. If you don't stand with this bill, you don't like kids. So keep that in mind and remember the goal. Uh, most of the politicians that that I've heard of that have gun strong gun laws are anti gun and they don't want you to have guns at all. And this is just the first step.
1: Right, and of course they want to soften it with, "Well, I have guns too, and I believe in." Uh, The Second Amendment, and then here comes that word, but... Yeah, I can think of a bigger word than but. (laughs) But. All right, let's hear the next segment.
7: Serious attempts have been made since then. Recently, Australia's gun control efforts have gained new prominence as a possible model for the United States to follow. Let's take a closer look at Australia. In 1996, after a lunatic used a semi-automatic rifle to murder 34 people in Tasmania, The Australian government banned all semi-automatic rifles and repeating shotguns. Owners of roughly 700,000 registered firearms, about a quarter of the country's three million total guns, were required to turn them in for destruction. The government called this a buyback, but in fact, no one had a choice. As my research shows, this model will not work in the United States for the simple reason that the U.S. has roughly 325 million guns. This is orders of magnitude more than any other country. Even if the Australian plan were tried in the U.S. and worked to perfection, we'd still be left with over 200 million guns, including handguns, which account for nearly 80% of gun crime. But gun confiscation has never worked to perfection and sometimes threatens to make things worse. See there? They talk about that Tasmanian devil that went out there and
3: shot all those people? Mm. Then they come up with this law that all semi-automatic weapons had to be um, surrendered. Mm -hmm. First of all, it was supposed to be a buyback. It really wasn't a buyback. It was mandatory. I don't call that a buyback if you have to do it. And then the really hardcore thing, only about 25% of the people gave up their guns. So that left 75% of the guns are still out on the street, and now they're criminals. Okay? So if you're already a criminal then you may do other things that you wouldn't normally do, okay, when they force you into breaking the law.
1: Well, and all we have to do is think about our own history when they instituted prohibition, right, here right. in America. Prohibition was when they were outlawing um, alcohol, right. right, liquor, whatever you want to call it. What did that do? That created a black market, that created uh, a... Atmosphere where uh, a whole team of black uh, bat, whole team of bad guys uh, got together and became very powerful and very wealthy, and uh, it was basically the rise of the mob. Right, here and you in, think about in America. it. America, over
3: a thousand people a year died from bad alcohol because they bought alcohol in the black market. Over a thousand.
1: Right. So Australia, you know, this Australia gun model that we were hearing um, candidate Hillary Clinton just sort of just just rolls off her tongue, just casually throws it out there. Just, you know, it's something we should look into. Yeah, she'd like if, if Yeah. If you don't understand what that means, then it would be easy to kind of go, oh, yeah, Australia. Well, they're a lot like us. And, you know, we like Australia. And so, sure, whatever worked there, it sounds good for us. No, you've got to look at the details. The devil is in the details, always. I like that, that's cute. Okay, on with the next one.
7: The 2007 International Small Arms Survey studied 72 countries that attempted to enforce gun confiscation or registration on their citizens. They found massive defiance of these laws, with only about a third of gun owners complying. If Americans defy gun bans at just the average rate that has occurred internationally, then we should expect tens of millions of guns to flood into the black market. Not surprisingly, politicians advocating for gun control prefer to avoid the thorny issues that confiscation raises. Instead, they seek to have it both ways. They pursue the votes of gun owners by paying lip service to the Second Amendment and offering assurances that they only want to ban the bad guns, like rifles with pistol grips. And at the same time, they pander to their core constituents with broad gun ban rhetoric and supply control proposals that will have a marginal effect at best, and when these meager efforts fail to pass or to work, blame the gun lobby. Well, there's one that I'm
3: not sure I 100% agree with. Okay. Yes, they, there are 72 countries that tried to do successful gun bans and, and they weren't successful with it. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I mean, I wasn't born, but in the 1930s, there was a successful gun ban. Mm. Do you remember that? Do you remember hearing stories about that, Cheryl?
1: Yeah. I do, and I think we're talking about in uh, Germany.
3: Yes, and what ha- when they banned the Jewish people from owning firearms, which they did, is clear. Mm-hmm. What happened?
1: No, no, nothing good that I recall.
3: Well, did the government kind of just take over and just start pushing these people out, killing them, and putting them in train cars and whatever?
1: So, right. But you are a conspiracy theorist. You're an alarmist. You're you're something bad if you ever bring that up and and that i think is part of that culture that we're trying to push back on you can know facts you can know history and you can cite history without being uh those those things I thought that conspiracy alarmists conspiracy is so something
3: forth. that's not quite it's, it's kind of far-fetched or maybe but i mean did he did they not take away the guns from the jewish people yes okay and did they not kill about millions of jews Yes, and not just that's Jewish people. That's not a conspiracy. People, but, yeah, that's not a conspiracy.
1: All right. Well, we are over time actually for your segment, but um, I, I enjoyed doing a kind of a longer version of your segment, and uh, I think it was I think we learned some some neat things, and we'd love to hear back from, from our listeners and just you know tell us what you're thinking about uh, all segments of our show, and uh, in particular this this one. And uh, you get to wrap up now. So we well, can just to remember, commercial.
3: everyone, that when somebody tells you common sense or for the people or for the kids, for all that, just remember, it's probably a bunch of baloney and you need to research it. Hey! Thank you, James.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, stick around because we have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report coming up right after this.
9: Hi, I'm Bob Main. Now that you have your concealed carry license, I think you and I probably both know that that class probably wasn't really training. Have you ever thought about getting some training beyond your concealed carry license? Well, that's why Ben Branham and I decided to call our classes Beyond Concealed Carry. We're going to teach you how to move and shoot, how to shoot one-handed, even how to shoot and make hits without the use of your sights. And if that's something for you and you think you'd like to take advantage of that, as a Self-Defense Radio Network listener, you can get nice discounts on the classes and the subsequent video programs for reinforcement. All you have to do is visit the listener discount page at selfdefenseradio.net and put in the password SDRN, all lowercase. Again, the listener discount page and all lowercase, SDRN. Hope to see you at a class soon.
6: Come
4: listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at SelfDefenseGunStories.com.
7: Be a part of the Gold Rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at pottygoldstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. See so you best, hurry, and tell them Don Collier sent
2: you.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, we were just talking uh, with Dan about the, the segment, his, his commentary, and, and one of the points that the, the man in the video made uh, was that, you know, they're trying to do away with bad guns. Well, Bad what, guns? Yeah. What is a bad gun?
3: Well, let's see. I have probably in the store 1,300 guns now. The, there's no bad guns in my store. They're all good. They stay right on the shelf. And guess what? <laughs> Uh. To me, a bad gun is a gun that doesn't work. There you go. All right, and bad ammo, same thing. There is no bad ammo. Bad a- guns and ammo do not they don't have characters. They don't do things. Mm-hmm. They're just there. And as long as they do what they're supposed to do, the ammo, as long as it fires, then there is no bad ammo.
1: Right. And so the other side, the rights restricting side. They want to paint certain guns as the bad ones, right? And then once they can get us to hate those guns and get us to vote uh, to um, somehow restrict the sale of those guns or the ownership of those guns, it's basically you just put an equal sign there to all guns and ammo. That's just another step.
3: People need to realize that that's just the first step. Okay, we'll get rid of these guns. These are the least popular then we'll get, because at the time that they started with the assault bans, they weren't nearly as popular as they are now. Right. So they start with that and then they work their way. Well, it's backfiring on them.
1: Well, thankfully it's backfiring yep. on them because there really are more people that know the truth and value their Second Amendment rights and what the, the politicians and the media realized. But right now it is time for the Responsibly Armed Citizen Report.
0: Fights a never ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way.
1: So, you know, responsibly armed citizens use guns 2.5 million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear these stories on network news. So we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. So our story today, suppose danger visits your neighborhood You've taken the firearms classes that warn you that the instant you use your firearm to stop an attacker, you will be caught in a legal web involving the police and even civil lawsuits, sometimes even brought on by the very person you were trying to help. Domestic disturbance calls can be very tricky even for trained police officers where the person who called for help often turns on those who came to give the help they asked for. But in a moment... You'll hear a story, and I can't help but believe that this North Carolina woman who was being punched and beaten was glad that a responsibly armed citizen was nearby to stop danger's attack.
8: Garner, North Carolina, WNCN Television. A man was shot and killed by a neighbor while the man was attacking a woman in a domestic-related incident in Garner on Sunday morning, police say. Just before 7 a.m., police were called to a home in the 1800 block of spring drive garner police said in a statement officers found three people at the scene two of them were injured a male victim later identified as randolph maurice davidson 32 was shot multiple times and was transported to wake med where he later died officials said a 26 year old female victim at the scene suffered multiple stab wounds officials said sunday night that she was in stable condition at wake med icu after undergoing surgery for her injuries a second man 26 who police say fired shots that killed Davidson, was also at the scene and was not injured. Police said they believe a fight started inside the apartment at 1832 Spring Drive, which was rented by the female victim. The fight then moved outside and into the apartment complex parking lot. A nearby resident heard the screaming and yelling from the assault and came outside his apartment to investigate, police said. Upon observing Davidson assaulting the woman, he fired several rounds from his personal handgun, striking Davidson several times. Davidson then ran back into the apartment where police later found him. The female victim was outside when officers arrived. At this time, no charges have been filed against the man who fired the gunshots, and he is not in custody, police said.
1: Thank you, Newsman Blade. Appreciate that. And I like your little uh, ticker tape sound at the beginning of that. Everybody's got a lead in but me. i got to fix that.
3: (laughs) Oh, you have a lead (laughs) in, Cheryl.
1: I get President Reagan at the beginning, I guess. Anyway, um... You know, it is true what we said, that sometimes just because you're the good guy uh, in the scenario, just because you've come to somebody's aid does not mean that you just get to pick up your firearm and walk off into the sunset. Uh, so we have to be well-trained, and we have to also maybe look into having some self-defense insurance. Uh, we we've got a couple of uh, advertisements for that throughout our show, uh, one particular company. Um, another one is the USCCA, there, there's someone to look into. Um, but there's a few out there. You might wanna take some time and make sure that you're protected. You know, that's right. You know, when
3: you carry a handgun or, and you see somebody that's having a problem, you have seconds to decide, do I stop that or what do I do? How much force do I need to use? It's, it's, a, it's a hard thing that comes quickly. Law enforcement officers have the same problem that, um, how far do they need to go yet and protect themselves too?
1: Absolutely. And one of our guests today, Julie Leffler, you know, she was talking about other ways of, of defending yourself, um, you know, that don't involve an actual firearm. So maybe look into those, uh, methods as well. But this brings us to the close of another show. And we just always want to uh, thank our tech crew, uh, Blade is awesome over there on the phones and the switchboard and keeping everything running on time for us. So thank you, Blade, for all you do. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, What we do here would not have the long legs and wide arms that we, uh, we have enjoyed over this course of a year and some without our listeners. And of course, our amazing guests that take time out of their, their busy Saturdays or busy lives to come and tell us something about their expertise and something about their life and keep the conversation going because we are listening. We do want to hear from you and let us know what we're doing right, what you wish we would be doing different because we can always learn. We can always improve. And until next time, pray for our nation continuously pray for our leaders. Wait, can we just pray for the majority? (laughs) oh the majority I get where you're going with that Dan pray for all of our leaders even the ones you don't like maybe especially the ones you don't like and be good to each other have a great week and God bless
0: our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since, evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it,